Hi, I'm your host, Susan Nay. Welcome to the podcast series, HR Inside Out. It's a series designed to help you demystify HR and the human resource processes. We're going to talk about people management and get the goods on and see how all this stuff works. You're going to hear from everyday heroes and get their perspectives as we touch on a wide variety of topics, topics that impact us in our work and in our work environments. You'll find nuggets for your treasure chest of learning. Hopefully you'll discover insights for your personal and your professional growth. I'm glad you're here. I suspect it's because you want to be the very best version of yourself, your personal best, and that you get understanding these systems and processes will help you on your journey, on your path. You ready to dare to soar? Want to join me at flight school? Let's do this. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, welcome to the podcast HR Inside Out. I'm your host, Susan Nay, and my guest today is Nadine Hanchar. Welcome, Nadine. Nice to be here, Susan. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. For our listeners, Nadine and I met at the Grand Connection. Now, this is a networking organization for those interested in meeting, learning, and supporting others. As their motto notes, connect, create, and collaborate. And I will put the information in the show notes if you're interested in learning more. So, even though there were dozens of individuals in the Zoom call, Nadine and I kept ending up in the same breakout rooms. Now, we both took this as an indication that we should chat further. So on my recent trip to Victoria, British Columbia, we agreed to meet and we exchanged books. Nadine's is Knowing Me, Knowing You, The Pet Personality Process, and mine, Leadership Inside Out, Affecting Change from Within, both available on Amazon if you're interested in, in diving deeper. Now, the more I learned about Nadine, well, I just had to introduce you to her through the podcast, and especially when she is all about creating better relationships at home and at work. And this is a very, very important topic. So if you don't mind, first, I'm going to share a little bit more about Nadine, and then we'll get into the podcast. So she's a best-selling author, a counselor, a consultant, a speaker, and a trainer. With over 35 years of experience delivering programs to both public and private sector organizations, locally and internationally. She's known for her engaging, energetic, and authentic presentations as an expert on workplace communications. Her upbeat and interactive style allows her audiences to have fun, learning how to say positive and constructively confronting tough communication challenges at work and at home. Her presentations cover topics on communication, the PEP personality process, and heart consciousness. As a personality profiling expert, she's the developer of the PEP personality process, which provides insights concerning the tendencies of self and others. And yes, that's a tongue twister. <laughs> In 1994, she launched a private post-secondary training institute, and since then has taught most of the therapies and the techniques that she uses. As a counselor, she works with individuals, couples, and partnerships in both life and in business. She specializes in relationship issues, trauma, and communication, 
She uses an approach which can include many types of both traditional and non-traditional methodologies. Along with her psychological and communication wisdom, her extensive training also includes physical disciplines like nutrition, energy work, meditation, and spiritual studies. So she's taking a very holistic view. Her results-oriented approach is designed to resolve the root causes of issues. Therefore, the therapy coaching or training is designed to fit the client. This allows the person, couple, family, or organization to go forward with a better quality of life. Sounds wonderful. As a consultant, she works with individuals, businesses, and organizations to build better relationships, to discover new choices, new perspectives, to create success, and to get results. She uses NLP, which is Neuro Linguistic Programming or Psychology, and the PEP personality process to assess and to implement learning and communication skills for management teams, leadership teams, and small business staffs. She also helps high achievers work through their blocks, build the skills, and to develop solutions for the issues that are presenting. Wow, very impressive. <laughs> I hope I live up to that, Susan. <laughs> well, I'm sure you do. Well, I understand from our talking that it was your own life circumstances that that directed you onto this career path. That at an early age, you felt the need to be able to really read people quickly. Are you comfortable with telling us a little bit more about your personal journey and how you actually got into the work that you're doing? Uh, yes, I can. I can talk a little bit about that. Um, <clears throat> When I was five, my brother was killed by a hit and run drunk driver. Um, and my mom kind of never recovered from that. And so um, it, it made life interesting. Uh, <laughs> we had some, some interesting times with that. And so I sort of grew up at a very young age. And then we started moving a lot. And um, my dad was kind of one of these genius guys that can do anything. And uh, he met a fellow who didn't want to do any kind of project without him. And so he kept offering him jobs all over British Columbia and we we would move. And so I averaged a lot of schools every year. Um, and uh, <laughs> so I had to learn to assess people really quickly and uh, have a lot of resilience. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that's kind of how it started. And then I, I've always been fascinated by people. So I was fascinated by people right from a very early age. And um, so started taking workshops, probably younger than most people. Um, I think I did my first transcendental meditation class, 15 or 16, somewhere in there. Um, and I kept taking workshops and by the time I was 18, 19, I was leading workshops. Um, <laughs> back then it was to empower women. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, there weren't many people doing that and mm -hmm. it was quite successful. It was more of a side job than a, than a job job. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, and then at 19, I opened my own sporting goods store. Um, so <laughs> one of the things that I will teach people though, is that make sure it's your dream, not someone else's, um, because in my, in my first enterprise, uh, it was my first husband that actually wanted to rent windsurfers on, um, Parksville and Qualicum beach. 
And so in order to do that, um, people really didn't know what windsurfers were back then. Um, they, we were the third store in Canada that carried them. Um, so we, but in order to get them, we had to have a store. So I went, oh, okay, we need a store. <laughs> and then I created one. Uh-huh. Uh, so, it, you know, it's, I think, and after a while, um, I realized that this was my husband's dream, not my dream. And so um, I actually let it go and moved on to something else. <laughs> That's a lot very early. <laughs> it is. But, you know, the store taught me so many lessons, so many lessons. And uh, I appreciate all of them. It's, it's the importance of learning from those, which we all, you obviously did, and of learning about ourselves in all other contexts as well you took that knowledge and I know in your book you talked about some of the personality profiles that are around like the Myers-Briggs and the DISC as a couple of examples but you felt the need to develop your own now was that part of this life experience that that the others weren't quite doing it for you or tell me more you know, I actually haven't done many of the other ones. I've done the Myers-Briggs and I, I know I, I know a little bit more about, you know, different ones, but I don't, I haven't actually done a lot of them myself. Um, what I did find is that a lot of things that I saw out there were missing my personality. Mm. And so, um, and, and this particularly came true when I was taking my NLP training. Um, they had, you know, they had visual people, they had auditory people, and they had kinesthetic people, but they didn't have cognitive people. Now that has changed, um, which is kind of interesting, because that's actually, they now actually teach about cognitive, they call it auditory digital. Um, But it's, it's not a personality per se, it's more like a learning style that they talk about. Um, but for me, it was like, okay, this is, you know, I'm not here. Like I do all of these things, but I'm not here. <laughs> and yeah. so I, and at that time I was also doing a lot of um, spiritual studies and I was doing a lot of work with um, a, a man called Francisco Cole, Dr. Francisco Cole. And he had four different styles as well that he, he, he worked with. And so I started seeing some similarities between what he was doing and what NLP was doing. And I started to, to look at how does this actually work in people? And so the thing that came to me first was the communication styles. And so those became very apparent. um, And I started working with communication styles and then the other pieces started to fall into place. And so in my system, there are now 24 different styles. So there's four zones and there's four components. And how those four components fit in the four zones tells me a lot about the person's personality. And everyone has the four zones and everyone has all four components. But how we work through those in the different zones can be quite different. Um, and it can, it's interesting because my, in my couples work, um, I find that oftentimes, uh, one of the things that I do differently than other people is that I don't let them tell me anything when they come in. I just, 
I have them do the processing styles and then I go through it and I explain what are some of the things that could be areas of challenge? What what are some of the gifts and the uh, the natural talents? What are some of the places where you know they would blend really well? Um, and and also, you know, give them things that they can do about the challenge mm -hmm. areas as well. So and quite often people kind of look at me and go like, "Are you following us around?" <laughs> <laughs> are you psychic what what you know what do you how do you know this stuff yeah um so uh they find it quite useful and it lets them see that a lot of their issues are not really personal like they're not like the other person isn't out to get them or isn't doing this intentionally to 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 get them kind of thing which mm -hmm. a lot of couples believe that you know their partners you know you know, doing it on purpose, or they're be, you know, they're not, or the other thing they do is they interpret their partners or their, and that could be business or personal partner. Yeah. Uh, you know, they interpret it through their own filters and say, if I was doing that, it would mean this. And oftentimes it doesn't, you know, and so then they, they base what they're going to do or how they're going to act on, you know, that decision which is inaccurate. It's kind of like building a castle on sand, you know? <laughs> so anyway, that's kind of. I, and I giggle because um, the Dean has allowed me to do the test and uh, I think she's going to have some fun with me a little later on the podcast, but I was amazed at how accurate it was uh, a little scary. And I've done, I've done the full realm, you know, especially in the job that I did. Often people were, they would come and, to sell their products so that I got a chance to do them as a test. I, of course, loved all the positives, but cringed quite literally <laughs> at what a stressed me looks like. And, you know, it makes me reflect back that I'm sure that there are times that colleagues wished to give me feedback, but very anxious to present to the work me that I presented to them. Um, and it's so critically important for us to be receiving feedback on our blind spots so that we can continue to get better and start um, just being better communicators. I'm sure that you hear similar ouches when you're working with your clients. Um, are there any stories that you can share um, without divulging confidences, of course? Um. Well, I think, you know, I I think where I often get sort of a reaction is when people have like auditory um, in their, either their challenge area or their security. Um, because when they go out of balance, they can get into a place where they are quite, not, them, not their regular self, we'll just say it that way. And so... Um, they can actually be auditory has this tendency to be either one extreme or the other. And so there's kind of no middle ground. <laughs> and so if they're really stressed, they can either be like the bull in the China shop mm -hmm. or the volcano, or I'm out of here or silent treatment, kind of no middle ground. Um, they also can might normally think things through but when they're in that stressed auditory 
place blurt out things that are maybe not very nice and um, can be quite hurtful. So when a partner understands that, they understand that that's not necessarily about them. Um, and they can, and not to say that they should take abusive behavior, that's not what I'm saying, but it, it's understanding that and, and getting them to understand it for themselves helps them to manage that energy because auditory energy is an energy that actually physically builds up in the body and then it's looking for a place to go. So unless it's being used in a constructive way, and that could be accomplishing things, it could be being physically active, it can be physically active with a sound component, you know, those kinds of things. And when when they are managing that energy, then, you know, it's a positive thing. And so we all go into stressful times. And so sometimes that energy builds up or we all go into times where we don't feel as confident. Perhaps we're, we're going through a rough patch in our relationship and we feel a bit insecure. And then that energy can build up if it's in those zones, right? Um, I so. just remember in, in reading your book, hangry was a word that can be used to describe my stress behavior. You know, and I know my partner will say, you're, you're, you're presenting as tired and you're, you know, perhaps you should take a break and grab something to eat. And so it's his love language, quite honestly, of saying something probably different than he wants to say to me, but it's wonderful because it does catch me. It's like, okay, yeah, I do need to take a break or I, yes, I haven't, I've been working right through. Um, so well, with, I can see how that would work. Yeah, with your style, um, because you're sequential, once you start something in your sequence, you want to finish it. And so if you haven't scheduled in eating in your in your sequence, then you'll probably work right through until you finish and then eat. And by that time, it's it, it's too late. Either it's like you're at, if you, if you finish before you go into what I call no man's land, um, <laughs> it's like, I need to eat right now. And you know, it's that, it's that urgency or, and oftentimes that means you'll eat something that you wouldn't normally think of as healthy or, you know, not grab whatever's handy kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, or you go beyond that and then you don't feel hungry. Yeah. And so when you don't, when you're in that place, then you can actually get into a place of, of, of having some, it, it makes you, so you can't make decisions. Mm -hmm. And so you think you're being absolutely normal, but the people around you can actually feel this, yeah. this kind of tension. And if they ask you a question, it can be the simplest of questions, but it feels like it's this big question yeah. <laughs> and oftentimes you'll kind of snap at them um <laughs> so that might be what shows up with your husband <laughs> yeah yeah no it's it's fascinating and I can see that um by using the profile and understanding ourselves better and also then in reading your book and sort of and, and that's probably a good question is like we shouldn't presuppose because I you know I found myself trying to guess what my husband is or what my daughter might be and yeah they really need to do to take the test themselves and to answer those questions so it, themselves yeah. 
yeah, they need to do the evaluation for themselves because, um, again, we're filtering everything through our own filters. So mm-hmm. there are, you know, so you can get to a point where you can actually see the different languages and see the different um, personalities. Uh, it, it takes a bit of understanding that there's actually four languages within the English language. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, you and I, uh, both being cognitive communicators, would say that, well, that makes sense. Uh, whereas a kinesthetic communicator would say, well, that feels right. Whereas a visual person might, a visual communicator might say, that looks right. <laughs> and and the one says, I, that sounds right. And it's interesting because I read through the book and I, I, I know I use all of those, but probably most frequently it would be that makes sense. And I think even in, in talking to you about what we would talk about, I found myself and, and had to laugh when I read in the book saying that makes sense. <laughs> uh, because what I do love in your book is that you also have sort of the most typical words that like an auditory person or a kinesthetic communicator or a cognitive tends to use. Um, I find that I pull from all of them, but then in reading the cognitive, because I love words, that wasn't surprising either. So yeah, it it was quite wonderful. And um, yes, you can tell it why I'm, why we're talking today. Um, Nadine is phenomenal. And you actually say on your Instagram account, um, when you truly know yourself, making the best decision comes becomes easier. And I thought, well, that makes sense. <laughs> there you go. How is it that knowing yourself helps you make the best decisions? Can you tell us a little bit more about your thinking on that? Well, the more that we understand ourselves, the more we understand why we do what we do, what pushes our buttons and how to do it differently Um, and take responsibility for our own energy because we all have an energetic body as well as a physical body. And, you know, there's all, I'm sure that most of your listeners have met people that they feel instantly connected to and, and other people that, that they kind of don't really want to hang around Um, And it's, it's a lot of it has to do with our energy. And so learning how to manage our energy, learning how to to truly know ourselves, and work with ourselves in a way that is, is what I would call successful. um, Mm -hmm. Because we are our own business. (laughs) If if I can say it that way. Mm -hmm. You know, we are our own business. And when we are having a good business inside of ourselves, then we are much better out here in the world. We, we, we interact more successfully. We, you know, have more successful relationships and that kind of thing. And so it's, it's looking at what, you know, what are my challenges and how can I work with those in a, in a more positive way? What are my gifts and talents and how can I show those more to the world? And, you know, am I, am I on the right track? You know, that's the other, other pieces that I've had people that are trying to be their, their parent, right. Going down the parent, you know, and some of these people are not young people 
they're mm-hmm. in their 40s, 50s. And, you know, they've been on a career path or doing something because they felt it was the right thing to do because that's what their their parent did or that's what they, they their parent wanted or, you know, um, or it was easy for them to do, but it's not who they are. Um, I, I remember one fellow who was in banking and he hated it. He absolutely hated banking, but he was in banking and he's he was kinesthetic and he absolutely loved to do yard work and gardening and, and, you know, landscaping and that kind of thing. And um, when he really understood how he's a tactile person, and I'm not saying all kinesthetic people are like that, but for him, that was his passion. And so when he realized that he could do that, he's, he ended up starting his own landscaping business and, and, you know, and, and going and doing that. So, um, and quite happily um, is doing that and gone mm-hmm. on, you know, so, I mean, not to say that, people need to make major life shifts just because they no, know. But, but this but would be very, me. this would be really helpful if you're starting out on your career or before you actually start your university studies. Because um, I think we have a hard time figuring out who we are. You know, we're, we are so influenced by, you know, the people that are close to us and uh, people see that you do well in something, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's what you'd like to spend the rest of your life doing. But the sooner that people could, Take these kinds of assessments and have these kinds of conversations at least it's another tool in your toolkit for them to consider yeah i i i'm just really a a person that wants people to really know themselves because when you really know yourself you do make better decisions when you really know yourself you do show up differently in the world. Um, and I'm a great believer in believing that, that there is goodness in everyone and that, you know, finding that goodness within yourself and finding that love, that love for yourself. And, you know, there's so many people that feel they're not good enough. You know, I, I think that if I was, if you asked me, what's the biggest thing that I work with in my career is people feeling they're not good enough. And it's because they're comparing themselves to other people. And the minute you start comparing, it's a lose-lose situation because who are you comparing to? You're comparing to that person that you've built in your head, not necessarily the real person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> and not only that, but you're not that person. You're you're your own person and you have your own talents and your own challenges and your own way of doing things and that that's just as good as anybody else and you know one of the things that I found in our schooling system is that our schooling system actually also has some biases to certain processing styles for instance kinesthetic learners they actually need to move to learn and so oftentimes they're the ones that are fidgeting in the classroom and of course, if, if you have a teacher who's saying, you know, sit still, uh, you know, you're disturbing the class, that kind of thing, right? Uh, uh, it, it doesn't really work with their processing style. Or auditory kids who have a buildup of energy who need to go and run around the gym several times, you know, in between <laughs> things mm-hmm. so that they can let go of that energy, right? And so we don't often teach our children 
I mean, teachers do a good job. I'm not saying that they don't. It's a challenging job. Yeah, it's a challenging job, and I think it's more challenging today than it even was in the past. And there are things that they could do that would make things easier. And um, I know that the Montessori system um, is has more of of the things that that children can do and, and it actually teaches in all four learning styles. So um, it, it it actually takes those things into consideration. I think we're starting to see as much as they can more incorporation of that into the more traditional school system as well. And so not only learning yourself, but being more cognizant of other styles and how they may present. Um, and not necessarily with doing an assessment as we talked, but just that there are some characteristics. And it's interesting because when we initially talked, you guessed that I would be a cognitive. I didn't really. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, let's, let's, you're going to play with me on this. So maybe that's a, okay. a good so, segue. Yeah. And we've been talking about communication style mostly. And one of the things that I want to say is that you really need to take the whole processing style into consideration because it's the whole processing style that, that counts. It's we're, we're dynamic human beings. And in our, in our dynamics, you know, we, we go in and out of feeling secure. We go in and out of stressful situations. You know, we, we are in environments that are affecting us. So for instance, you are auditory in your environment. And so if there's noises in your environment that you find irritating, you know, you might not notice them at first, but all of a sudden you'll kind of feel like, oh, <laughs> you know, what's going on? I'm feeling stressed. And just for our listeners, I did do the process. And so Nadine is now working with my actual results. So I've done the full process. So just to add that in. Um, yes. So as so what happens is, is that irritating noises will, will actually start to affect you in your environment. Or if you're listening to music, you need to listen to it at a volume that works for you. Or you actually might want to work in silence because of that auditory distraction. Right. And so it, it's it's um, that is your in your environment tones of voices. So you immediately give a meaning to tones of voices or volumes of voices because it that's where it hits you in your in your from your environment. If you're watching a scary movie or a TV show, if you plug your ears, it's the music that actually pulls you into the whole thing. So if you plug your ears, it won't affect you as much. <laughs> you've watched me watching scary movies <laughs> well I wouldn't actually recommend them for you yeah actually I don't watch many of them <laughs> <laughs> because you actually will will take them in um into your body uh so as a cognitive communicator you are a word person so if there's a sentence and it's word 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 most people most meaning more than 50%, will look at the whole sentence and give it meaning. You and I, being cognitive, will look at this word and give it meaning, look at this word and give it meaning, look at this word and give it meaning, and then give the sentence meaning. 
But if there's one word in that sentence that we don't know what it means, or we don't like how it's being used, or we just object to how it's being used, we will get hung up on that word. We'll even argue about that word. <laughs> and so what I say to the partners is just change the word. It's yeah. not worth arguing about. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, um, and as a cognitive communicator, you are also very, very sequential. And I think I talked about that earlier, but everything has a sequence and an order to you. And when it doesn't have a sequence and an order, you will give it a sequence and an order. Okay, because everything has a sequence for you. You're also very compartmentalized. Everything has its compartment and everything's in its compartment. And when you're in one compartment, you're not in another. So if you're at work, you're at work. If you're, you know, at, at having a good time, you're having a good time. But they're not actually over, generally they don't overlap too much. Um, you have will probably have an eclectic group of friends and, um, and some of those friends you may not they may not ever meet each other because you do this with this person and they're in that compartment and you do this with that person and they're in that compartment and they may never meet <laughs> and that's just normal for cognitives interesting interesting um, the other thing that that's that's kind of interesting about cognitives is when they go into any sort of, let's say a networking event in, in person or um, a networking or, or a party, um, anything where there's people that they don't know, they will stand back and look at everybody and case the joint. Now, a lot of times people think that they're actually, you know, shy or reserved or you know we get these labels thrown at us but in actual fact you're just casing the joint and figuring out who do I want to talk to who do I want to avoid who's who who's what so that you have a sense of what it is that's going on in the room and that's normal for all cognitives all cognitive communicators do that I, I also read in your book that that can be viewed as being aloof it can be viewed as being aloof, um, particularly if there's a lot of people you don't know, because you might, you know, you might be standing there a little bit longer than other people <laughs> right? before you start to mix and mingle. Now, it isn't that you can't mix and mingle. It's just that you you want to have a sense of what's going on before you do that. No, and, that, that describes me. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Cognitive people are always making meaning, always jumping to conclusions. They're information gatherers. That's why you do it, is because you're gathering your information. And so they want to make sense out of things. They want to give meaning to things. And cognitives prefer to actually talk about something meaningful to them. So they can do chit chat, but it's not their favorite thing to do. Um, but when it's necessary, they can do it, but only when it's necessary. They would much rather have a deep conversation about something that's meaningful to them. And so that's a, a very, you know, um, interesting thing about them as well. Um, and your kinesthetic, so that, well, let me. I was going to take us to that because I found that interesting that um, your communication component is balanced with your challenge component and mine is kinesthetic. And 
that was another big ouch. Um, Cause I know I'm sensitive and now I understand better why. Yeah. So you're a thinking and a process person in terms of your communication style and your highest value is integrity. So if I really wanted to tick you off, I would question your integrity. That's a button. <laughs> um, your biggest challenge is trust. Trusting yourself, trusting the universe, trusting that things will work out okay. Um, so either you're too trusting or not trusting enough. And so learning to trust is is a, a big thing for, for you to do. And you're, when you get stressed, you go into the kinesthetic. When you're in balance and not stressed, the kinesthetic adds a whole other layer to your personality that you show the world. Because your communication style is the biggest part of your personality you show the world. And then the, the challenge area is the second biggest part of you that you show the world. And those kind of blend out here mm -hmm. in the world. And so you're a thinking person. You're also a very feeling and sensitive person. So how you make your decisions is, does it make sense? And does it feel right? Yep. <laughs> right? And yep. so it, if it makes sense and it feels right, then that's a good decision. Right? So the kinesthetic is the tactile part of you. It's that part of you that. Um, affectionate. It's that part of you that's sensitive to other people's energy. It's that part of you that um, really wants to connect with people. Um, now, being cognitive kinesthetic, you kind of want people when you want them and don't want them when you don't want them. <laughs> There's that about, about you. Um, and yet having that social interaction with people is important for you having that connection particularly the connection with the people that you care about is really important but also having that connection with other people is important the biggest challenge here is boundaries and the the biggest or the highest value is comfort so you want to be comfortable in your clothing. You want to be comfortable in your environment. You want to be comfortable in your relationships. Comfort is huge for you. And it's it, it, not as huge as integrity, but it's right under that. And the kinesthetic also like to have fun. Fun is big. So having fun is big. And um, it's, it's that childlike part inside of us it's that childlike part it's that playful part it's that part that that wants everybody to have a good time and it also wants to keep the peace doesn't like conflict wants things to be smooth and and happy the the thing is is that life isn't always smooth and happy and so when you get stressed you can go into that out of balance qualities which can take you into well in the cognitive it takes you into isolating and escapism behaviors and escapism behaviors can be you know reading a, too many books <laughs> or watching too many movies <laughs> you know it doesn't have to be you know anything else mm -hmm. um, and you know with the kinesthetic though when you go into that stress place it kind of gets magnified 
So if you don't really understand this about yourself and you go into the kinesthetic and you go down into what we call the kinesthetic wallow, which is kind of like a pig wallowing in mud, it's mm -hmm. like you're in that negative emotion and you're kind of wallowing around in it and you're not too great to be around because you kind of misery likes company. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, it, it's um, learning that really you have more control over that than you think you do. Because when you're there, it's like you don't have any responsibility for being there. Um, and the reality is, is that you can get out of it much faster. Um, and the way you would get out of that is to ask yourself proactive questions and start to take action. The more action you take, the more you'll come back into balance quicker. Yeah. Again, the good a good aspect of understanding this and going, oh, okay, this is what Nadine was talking about. Yeah. So, you know, understanding it and taking taking that, understanding what actions to take and understanding what to do, we can be more in balance in our life. And if we're more in balance, we're making better decisions. So that's when you were asking me that. Yeah, the decision part. Now, the other is the security. And I know you're, you're visual in your security. Yeah. And so visual in this particular area kind of is, it works differently than it does in any other um, position. And so the visual in your security has more to do with how do things reflect on you. And so to create security, you want to be organized. You want to have things look the way you want them to look, particularly in your own personal environments. You want to be appropriately costumized. <laughs> so if you're going, in other words, if you're going to a barbecue, you want to look like you're going to a barbecue. If you're going to the opera, you want to look like you're going to the opera. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, if you're going to give a presentation, you want to look like you're going to give a presentation. And so you and I have this in common. So oftentimes when I was going to teach, if I wanted to create a little more security, I'd actually go out and get myself a new outfit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. would feel good in that outfit and that would make me feel more confident and more secure. Um, the other thing that happens with the, the visual is that having things to look forward to in your life helps you to feel secure. So if you've got some plans happening or some things that, that are going on um, that you're looking forward to, that helps you to feel secure. When you go into the insecure place, it's you can get really inflexible and stuck in your own pictures. And so that can be very, um, it's like, this is the only picture I have, so it has to be this way, right? And so that can be a little bit challenging, <laughs> but, but um, really uh, it, it, if someone's coming over to your home, let me just ask you a question. If someone's coming over to a home and to your home and you know that they're coming and maybe you feel not so se secure in your relationship with them or you don't really know them as well. My bet is, is that you start to clean your house, top to bottom. And you're doing that for you, not yeah. for the person coming over. That helps you to feel more secure by having your house look and feel clean and all of that. Um, 
I a little story about that. My husband is Swiss and his parents were coming to meet me for the first time to Canada. And I was cleaning like a crazy person. I mean, I think I cleaned even the light bulbs. Um, <laughs> and I sat down on my front steps and I looked up at my chandelier at my, at my I have a split level home and <laughs> I saw cobwebs and it was midnight the night before my in-laws arrived. <laughs> I know where you were. <laughs> and I made my husband go get the ladder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and take down the cobwebs. And he's laughing at me, um, saying they won't care. And I say, it's not about them. <laughs> I need you to take the cobwebs down. So I feel good. And so, and that's really where that comes from. So it's kind of a funny, kind of a funny yeah, thing. Interesting. Um, and for any of our listeners who know me, you must just be rolling your eyes and and finding yourself on the floor laughing because um, often people know us better than we know ourselves. <laughs> and you'd think you'd been my best friend all all my life just from a little bit of interaction that we've had and and my doing this profile. It's it's quite fascinating. Yeah, I, and being kinesthetic in your challenge, you're going to have a, a few piles. Um, because kinesthetic people are kind of piles people. And so they need to, now are we talking about <laughs> what kind of piles are we talking about here? Well, there might be a little pile of clothes on that chair in your bedroom, or there might be a little pile of paper over here or a little pile. Definitely the paper. Yeah. Right. Um, and so keeping your piles under control because it's in your challenge area will actually help you feel better and help you to stay less stressed. The bigger your piles get, the more stressed you get. So it's keeping those organized and, and um, that will help to de-stress you. So yeah. those are the kinds of things that-, that Wow. Like, and, and it's funny because people say, well, those are idiosyncratic behaviors. And I say, yes, and every processing style has their own set of idiosyncratic behaviors. Yeah. It's, it's been fascinating. Um, just because as I say, I've done some of the other profiles before and I haven't got the depth of, oh, and I really wish that your pet personality profile assessment tool had been available much sooner. So for our listeners, it is available now. And Nadine, as you can see, it's, it's fun to play with her. Now I know why play is so important to me too. So thank you. And I hope our listeners have had some fun with me as a guinea pig of just kind of understanding how this works. Um, and then they, the book has a ton more information about um, the language we tend to use, the um, our go-to behaviors, um, our strength. And um, yeah, being able to capture ourselves with when we get those hangers. Um, using me as an example. So, and I do appreciate your, your taking the time to take a look at my my profile. I want to go on to some of the other um, areas of of your expertise. Um, just want to watch our time a little bit with the podcast. Are you okay with that? Totally. Yeah. And thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. You've done a couple of different podcasts with, with various people. And one you did with Sarah Troy in her series, Choose Positive Living. You talked about the importance of doing what's truly best for you. Mm. Now, this may relate to our conversation about knowing yourself, getting into the right career that's going to actually 
or there might be something different. Where would well, you go with that? Well, where I would go with that is that a lot of people try to do the pleaser thing. That okay. they're trying to do the pleaser thing. And and a lot of this again comes back to um trying to get their self-worth or their 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 good feelings about themselves outside of themselves. And so one of the things that I assist people in doing is to really understand that when they do what's truly best for them. And when I, when I say truly best for them, truly best for them in their heart, right? Like if it's, if it's important for you to do it, when they do what's truly best for them, it's actually best for everyone else, even if they don't like it. Mm. And, you know, a lot of people don't get that at first when I say that, but it, it's, it, the more you actually live from that place, the more you realize that it's true. And the more you realize that your life works a lot better for not only you, but for everybody around, even if they don't like some of the choices that you're making. Um, now that's not me saying, you know, me first, me second, me third, me fourth. That's not what mm -hmm. I'm talking about at all. What I'm talking about is that you need to know yourself well enough to know what's best for you and then go with that. Mm. What is truly best for you? Um, how many people have I met in my you know, 35 plus career that have stayed in relationships that have been really not good for them and not good for their partners? Mm. Because neither one of them were really loving each other the way that they could have been loved. Mm -hmm. how many times have I met someone who is run off their feet exhausted because they're trying to please everybody else and yet they're being disrespectful to themselves and when we're disrespectful to ourselves, we actually teach other people how to treat us badly oh, interesting and so you know that's one of the things that you know, I personally had to go through because I used to be a pleaser in my early life. And, you know, that's how I ended up with a sporting goods store. <laughs> right. So, you know, um, but, you know, all kidding aside for a moment, if, if we're so busy being, putting other people out here ahead of ourselves, then we're not being respectful of ourselves. And when we're not being respectful of ourselves, we really truly do teach other people to not respect. Well, it's, also, it's also confusing because when you continue to say yes, then people assume that you're okay with saying yes. And so if it, if it isn't, then you're also, it's, it's confusing behavior for others. Yeah. So that, that does, that makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> that makes sense. Here we go. <laughs> Now, in that same podcast, you talked about the importance of listening to your intuition. Yes. So one of the things that I have been very, um, that has been very instrumental in my life is listening to my intuition. And I would say that um, it has led me to all the things that I needed to know, even the ones that I didn't realize I needed to know. Um and so listening to that intuition is, is very critical. And most people don't realize this, but their intuition actually resides in their, in their heart uh, space, not their heart muscle, but their heart space. And 
it's a very, you know, our, our, our heart actually has a brain and the brain that we have in our heart for anyone listening, if they want to know more about that, they can actually look up the heart math Institute. They do a whole bunch of studies on, on the heart and, um, but your heart energy field is actually thousands of times larger than the energy field around your head and around your brain. And the heart actually communicates to the brain much more than the brain actually communicates to the heart. And really, if you want to manifest anything, it has to be coming from the heart. Um, you can force it, but it's a lot more work than actually working with the heart. And so learning how to be compassionate with yourself, learning how to love yourself is such a critical piece to also learning to tune into that intuition. Um, because when you can really tune into that intuition, you know, you have within you a guiding force that always has your best interest at heart that, you know, and it, and it's a, it's a quiet voice. It's not, it's not, it's not yelling at you. It's not, it's sometimes not. it does. <laughs> if you really don't listen to it, it, it can sometimes yell pretty loudly. Well, it, and it depends on, yeah. The, so there's, there's different types of intuition actually. Um, and one of them is your survival instincts and that kind of thing. Um, the intuition I'm talking about in the heart is, is it's that still quiet voice inside and everybody hears it a little bit differently again, depending on your processing style. Um, you know, I have one friend who's an auditory communicator and, and she'll, a song will pop into her head or I have, you know, another person who's visual that, that, you know, she'll get a picture. Um, for me, I often just have an inner knowing, um, uh, for kinesthetic people, it's often a feeling. So, um, you know, it does depend on your processing style. Each of the communication styles has natural gifts and talents when it comes to intuition and um, the ability to work with energy. Thank you. I'm glad I asked that question. You did another podcast with Valerie, and I think she pronounces her last name Talis. It's T-E-L-E-S. Her podcast series is Fit For You. And you talked about the power of the present moment. Now, I'm assuming that, you know, unless you're actually present, then you're not feeling or sensing or hearing or seeing. But is there more there? Yeah. So one of the things about our past is our past is really meant to be our learning. So it's taking the lessons from the past and letting the rest go. Because the rest of it isn't useful, really. The future is our plan. It's our goals. It's where we'd like to go. The thing is, is that the power is really in this moment. And this is where you're creating that future. So if you're focused on the past, then you're just going to be recreating some more of those things. Particularly if you're dwelling in things that are not that great. Um, you know, this is why people go get into relationships, the same relationship over and over again, right? Because they're focused on what they don't want in the past. So they're manifesting what they don't want again. 
because that's yeah. what they're putting their energy on. Okay. Yeah. So where you focus your energy, where your attention goes, that's where your energy flows. And so anytime you focus your attention on something, that's where your, your life energy is flowing. And when you focus your life energy on the things that you're wanting to create in this moment, and you're being really present with it, um, and you're, you're, you have your heart engaged, then, you know, that's much more likely to happen. And synchronicities happen. And, and this is where, you know, there, to me, there are no mistakes, there's only feedback and learning. There are no coincidences, there's only synchronicities. And I, I truly have lived that in my life. The, the synchronicities, just like you and I saying, you know, we, we ended up in the same room, right? Um, and those are synchronicities. And, you know, I, it never ceases to create wonder in me. Because I think that that's part of the, the absolutely incredible universe that we live in. And, you know, I, I'm saddened by, by the fact that there's so many, so much fear mongering out in the world today, when really, we just really need to tune into, because into our hearts, and mm -hmm. into our positivity and into our, our life. And, you know, when you are coherent in your heart, this is something the Heart Math Institute has done some really incredible research on. When you're really coherent in your own heart, in, in your own self, your heart actually will influence the hearts around you. So can you imagine a world of people who are coherent in their own hearts? Isn't that a world you want to be living in? And there's a lot of scientific research about what you've just said. Yeah. But, um, and there's a lot of research on gratitude, you know, um, raising your own energy level in your own body. Um, gratitude is one of the ways that you can do that. And, you know, a lot of people don't really truly understand how that works. Um, but there's tons of scientific research on feeling grateful for things. And um, you think of it when somebody who's in a rotten mood comes into a room you can't help but be impacted by it so why wouldn't the opposite occur that when somebody comes in I was at a soul spa evening last night and oh my goodness I felt like I was walking two feet above the ground by the time that the evening had finished it was phenomenal and a lot of it was the collective art energy of everybody who was there participating yeah, it was a neat experience. So yeah. Yeah, but, but that's why group programs are so wonderful and you know, master classes are so wonderful because they they allow that energy to build and it's it, it is, you know, and that's why we need more and more communities out there that are focusing on what's good in the world and focusing on the positivity um and focusing on, you know, um being more resilient and when you're when you're coherent in your heart and when you're coming from that place within and listening to your intuition and grateful for the things in your life and grateful for you know um 
the people in your life and and coming from that place it's like those it magnifies right and it goes out into the world and every single person matters every single person matters you know um i see everyone as a soul on a journey and that's how i just view them and every single soul it matters like snowflakes each of us is unique and brings those incredible gifts and talents um, to this life experience that we have absolutely i i i love what you're sharing um thank you i'm feeling better even just listening to it I was going to ask you about natural gifts and natural challenges. I think we've probably spoken of that. So I'm going to move on to some of the other questions. Um, one of which is just helping our listeners understand a little bit more about how you use neuro-linguistic programming in the work that you do with your clients. Is, is that a fair question? It is, but it's a huge question. Oh, so okay. I'm, gonna, I'm just going <laughs> to preface it with... NLP is a huge science and also an art. And so it can be used in many different ways. You can apply the skill sets and um, to sports, to health, to mental health, to, um, oh, to business. <laughs> so you, you can apply them in many, many different ways. Um, so it, depending on the client. So for me, a client could be an individual. It could be a couple. It could be business partners. It could be a team um, in an organization. Um, so depending on the couple, or pardon me, depending on the, the client I'm working with, um, it really, you know, there's, I use different skill sets from NLP because it's huge. It's a huge, oh, okay. Okay. a huge field. Give us uh, a quick example of of how you would use it, perhaps in a two business colleagues um, who have come to you um, to get some help from you. Um, well, first of all, I'm going to make sure that they have well formed outcomes, and I'm going to also listen to their languaging on things, and. I'm probably going to do some reframing <laughs> uh, and the, you know, from there, you know, go from, go from there. Um, I'm, I'm going to do my pet personality process with them. Um, and that's going to help me to understand where they might be having some challenges just in their own processing styles. Um, and the pet personality process and NLP marry really well together because I, you know, some of it comes out of the science of NLP. Um, and so, <clears throat> but for instance, um, if I'm working with someone with trauma, um, there are techniques that I can work with them. Uh, I work with people. I don't work at them um i work with people to actually nullify or neutralize the negative emotions in those events and there's particular 
processes that help me to do that. And I've combined a certain things and I call it trauma therapy. Um, and so I've, I've created my own um, trauma therapy that helps people, you know, no longer be um, bothered by that anymore. Um, so I don't just work at having them cope. Mm -hmm. I actually want people to thrive in their life. And I, I don't, I don't, just, you know, I don't just have people come in and talk and, you know, talk and, and just ask them questions and have them talk. That's not what I do. And so if people are looking for that. I'm not the one <laughs> because I'm very result oriented. My, my job is literally to work myself out of a job. Does that make it, you know, a, a totally secure thing? No, it doesn't. Um, because I'm constantly completing with my clients. And so I'm always looking for new clients. Um, it's I always find it kind of funny when people say, so do you have room in your practice? I always have room in my practice. I'm always completing with people. <laughs> so, you know, um, that's kind of the, the, the yeah, thing. You're not, you're not creating a codependency. No. And I, and I don't believe in that. I, I, I'm about teaching people how to run their own human computer. I'm about teaching people how to run their own personality. I'm about teaching people how to love themselves and how to truly understand that they are wonderful because they are. Every single human being is wonderful. They just well, don't know. Works for me. And, and I know when I was reading about the NLP on, I think it was your website, you talked about how it can actually increase sales skills, effective marketing ability. Can you just, can. That, that confused me a little bit. How, what, what would happen that, would, would that be just. Okay. So, drama so about I mean, basic NLP skills teach you how to create rapport with anyone. Okay. So having rapport sets the stage for people being willing to listen to your area of expertise. And when you can have that rapport, it gives them the time to actually share what it is they need to share. Now, I'm a real believer in sales as service. And so um, that's what I teach. I, I don't believe in any manipulative behaviors. And as with any skill sets, um, you know, people that sometimes learn NLP have learned to use it in a manipulative way. That's not how I do it. Um, but just like a hammer is a really useful tool to build a house, you can also kill somebody with it, right? So <clears throat> any tool needs to be used ethically and, and responsibly. Um, so you can, you know, you can create rapport. You can also, you know, reframe some of the objections, get to the root causes of things in terms of what they might be looking for, um, ask the appropriate questions. Um, use their language, right? Mm -hmm. So you learn how to tune into their language and um, and body language and all of those kinds of things. And those are all covered in NLP. And that's really basic NLP. That's really <clears throat> beginner level NLP. <laughs> and, and as we shared, you use the NLP, you use hypnotherapy, but you also use nutrition, uh, different energy work, meditation, uh, and spiritual studies. Uh, again, I guess you take a look at what's presenting and then choose the tool in your toolkit that you think most appropriately 
works yeah, for? I design the therapy or the uh, program or whatever it is around the client. Um, I have a very large toolbox. And so, and I continue, I continue to add to that toolbox all the time. I've never stopped studying. I've never stopped learning. I'm a, I'm a, I'll be learning till probably the day I, 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 I <laughs> leave this planet. Um, and so I have a very large toolbox and, you know, there are so many, um, there's so many wonderful new things out there as well that, that I will incorporate into, into what I'm doing. Um, neuroscience is catching up with a lot of the stuff mm. that I've been doing for years, but now we actually have the science to prove it, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is wonderful. Um, so where was I going with this? Yeah, so I have a large toolbox. And because I have such a large toolbox, I can literally design the, the program or the counseling or whatever around the client and get to the root causes quite quickly. Um, and, you know, it, every person and every couple and every organization is different in terms of what they might need. And so, you know, people say, well, do you have an amount of time? I, I, I can't give them an amount of time. I just know that I'll do it as quickly as I possibly can, given the circumstances. Um, but I usually complete with most clients within weeks to months. Um, whereas, you know, some types of counseling, they're there for years. I'm seeing hypnotherapy often more frequently. Are you tending to pull that to a lot of your two toolbox more often these days? Not unless it's needed, um, you know, and, and so, you know, I, I know that that's become a, 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 it's become more widely accepted, I think, and pe more people know about it now. Um, uh, there's still a lot of misconceptions about hypnotherapy. For instance, a lot of people think that, you know, if you, somebody hypnotized you, that you do something that you wouldn't normally do. Uh, and and the, the truth of the matter is, is that if you're if your values are such like if somebody said, you know, hypnotize you and say, go rob a bank. And that was against your values and your morals. You wouldn't do that. OK, so your, I mean, your it, internal knowing. Yeah. So actually is continues in control. Well, your unconscious mind does a lot of things for you. <laughs> you know, I, I often joke and say, if you didn't have one, you'd go out and buy two. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got to spare, <laughs> but you know, um, it's, it's really important to, um, understand that uh, hypnotherapy is a tool and it's a good tool and it, it can do a lot of things for you in terms of, but there, there are things that you're wanting to do and there are things that your unconscious mind, um, ha has a resonance with. Um, and so, you know, that's an important thing. Okay. okay. Thank you. Yeah. And for anyone who's been curious about it, it's nice to know that, that um, you do keep in control. I'm just, um, not watching our time. Um, quickly, can you tell us a little bit about your training Institute? Uh, some of the programs that you're, you're offering? Well, I'm in transition, Susan. So I'm, I'm, I, I, as you know, but your, your listeners might not know up until 2020, I was totally offline. And as, in 2020, I, I did a crash course on uh, literally going online. And so, and for, 
you know, a year I I didn't do anything but online. Now I see both people in person and offline uh, or online, sorry, in person and online. Yep, yep. Um, and, and so one of the things that I'm developing is I, I have hundreds of courses and I have hundreds of, of different things that I've done and, and I would like to create um, something online. Uh, and so I'm in the process of, of looking at where to do that and how to do it um, to have a membership site uh, and um, to create some courses online, some of them, which will be courses people can do on their own pace. And some of them will be courses that have, you know, me involved in them. Um, and then I'm, I'm also doing, going to be creating some signature courses. And um, one of the courses that I'm going to be doing is actually certifying people in how to work with the pet personality process uh, mm. in, in counseling and consulting. So uh, yeah. And, and coaching for coaches. That's, as right. well. That's really exciting. Okay. Yeah. How best can people reach you? And I will put all of your contact information in the show notes, but just for anyone who doesn't have the moment to do that. Yeah. So um, my website is, is my company name is actually Progressive Plus NLP Incorporated, which is a long name. Uh, hence the PEP. Right. <laughs> <Part of> it. <laughs> um, my original company was Personal Enrichment Programs. That was my original company before I incorporated um, and so um, my website is www.progressiveplus.com. So progressive plus spelt out P-L-U-S at the end. Um, and um, my information is all, all there. They can also look me up on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on, I'm in Facebook. Um, the, the, the thing that I would say is that if they just Google my name, Nadine Hanchar, uh, N-A-D-I-N-E-H-A-N-C-H-A-R, they, I will come up because I think my name is quite unique. Um, and so I think I'm one of two in the world. Uh, so <laughs> if they want to, to get a hold of me, just Google my name um, and, and I will come up. I think those, the two um, podcasts that I listened to, I can't remember whether I saw those on your website or whether I found them just by Googling your name, but um, I can put that information in the show show notes to the podcast as well. I'm thinking we've probably covered some of the other questions that I was going to ask you. Any last nuggets that um, you'd like to share with the listeners before we close? Well, one of the things I'd love to share with your listeners is it's okay to be yourself. It's okay to put yourself first. And so many people don't know how to do that. And it's, and, and again, it's that place inside of your heart. What is really, truly the best thing for you? Because that's really, truly what you need to be doing. And have a sense of humor about yourself, you know, my husband and I process differently and we will, you know, he'll go, you're doing that kinesthetic thing or you're doing that, <laughs> you know, um, so we, we have a sense of humor about ourselves and learn to laugh at yourself. I think learning to laugh at our humanness and our, you know, and, and all the different things that uh, I think humor and laughter at ourselves. 
um, and at, you know, some of the silly things we do um, can be actually very healing. We, we need to take ourselves way less seriously. <laughs> Interesting, because those aren't messages that typically are shared about, you know, what is it that you need and want. And I think those are really important. I agree with you. Thank you for making the time to be with us today to share your insights. And it is so important that we learn one about ourselves a lot more, but also how to interact with people and just recognizing that we're, we're each unique. Um, those little idiosyncrasies are, yeah, can be delightful and can be very irritating. Uh, I grew up in a family where the TV was always on and I like quiet. So now I better understand why I did find that irritating. Um, I just, I love your energy and the work that you're doing. I can't wait to learn more about these programs that you're going to bring online. So I will be um, keeping, keeping in touch and keeping tabs on, on what's next. And um, just thank you to our listeners for wanting to learn more about bettering um, relationships, both at home and at work. Uh, that is so critical, especially in these days where there's just so much, so much trauma and turmoil in our life and our world. Dean, I loved meeting you in person. I guess I'm that that I love to meet people in person, and I, um, I hope that we're able to do that again. It is time for us to bring the podcast to a close. Um, thank you again, Nadine. And thank you, Susan. Thank you to our listeners for spending the time with us. It is us signing out. Um, remember, dare to soar. We believe that you can. Take care, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Till next time. Bye for now. Well, we've reached our destination for today. Time to lower those wheels and prepare for landing. Thank you for joining me. If I said something that resonated with you, please subscribe to the podcast and to share it with others. It would be awesome if you also took the time to provide a review on whatever your favorite social media sites are. If you have a question or an area that you hope I'll cover in a future session, please send me a note either to my website, www.effectingchangefromwithin.com or to my email, susangenay at gmail.com. I look forward to our next time together. In the meantime, soar high. I believe you can. Susan signing off. Thanks again for joining me.